0: Your voice be
1: heard right here on W H C R 93 F M the Voice of Harlem.
2: This is let your voice be heard. We will just freestyle Nicki Minaj and you know she is the only rapper out here that will rhyme Lace Front with Lace Front and Maserati with Maserati. <laughs> Alright,
1: first of all, Nicki Minaj's verse in Rake It Off is amazing. And she's rhyming China with an I versus China spelt with a Y. So
2: something you would not know unless I you. I mean, were it's reading. still the same word, though. Yes. I, yeah,
1: I so, mean, but it has a different context. No, it doesn't. Yes, Who's Black it? China versus China the country.
3: Listen, I think Nicki Minaj is talented, but China doesn't rhyme with China. <laughs> it's the same word.
2: Yeah.
1: Sorry. Anyway. Somebody. To so say. right anyway tomato tomato The dictionary tomato to <laughs> tomato,
4: tomato. Oh, well speaking
3: of the dictionary somebody told me today on Twitter that the word ethnicity includes political affiliation really? and then when I tried to tell them that it didn't they told they told me that I should define it so then I had to ask them if they were incapable of using a dictionary at which point they told me that I was stupid because you know that's how a conversation on Twitter goes these days <laughs> Yeah but hi
1: Right, hey, hey guys. guys, and up, welcome to Let Your Voice Be Heard, where we talk about politics, social issues, and foreign policy from a diverse millennial perspective. Uh, so we have everybody in the studio today. It's been the weeks. whole gang is here. The house. Squad, squad goals. squad goals, Right
2: Selena here. Selena came by here. her wild dope turtleneck. You see, see me you right?
1: right? You see me right? Okay. Yep. You found I me. Mean, how that. can we not
3: see you? <laughs> You're wearing black and white stripes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like a
3: reverse checkerboard. All you need is the red all over.
1: Well, hey guys, so I am Selena Hill. Are you on Instagram and Twitter? You can find me at Miss Selena Hill, and I spelled that with an M S.
2: Because you're not. I mean, what's going on?
1: Because you're school? nasty. I mean, M S S E L E N A H I L. Can I finish giving out my Twitter handle? We you are finished. Go ahead. You can go
4: ahead.
2: All right, guys, this is Stanley Fritz. This is your favorite PC engineer on the ones and twos. You can see me on Facebook Live on my right, but definitely on my left. You can follow me on Twitter at Stan Fritz. You can follow me on Snapchat at DarkSkinsWindow. And if you want to get mixy and change it up a little bit, you can rhyme Stan Fritz with Stan Fritz because that's also my name (laughs) on Instagram, beloved.
3: Stan Fritz makes the hits. That's right. that's a rhyme. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just in case anybody wasn't clear on well how done. a rhyme well works, well you done. know, since the word ethnicity is apparently hard for some people um, that live in Trump universe. Anyways, my name is Alyssa Fuchs. I think I'm going to enter to win a trip to have breakfast with Donald Trump because I think it would be really interesting to sit down with him an hour and just yell at him yeah, about just how stupid he like like very well done steak and egg that Ew, very well done steak no, no.
4: no
1: Alyssa versus Trump like that would need to be live streamed that would be the best hour of my life watching Alyssa sit down with Donald Trump oh, and just God. like ranting and raving and using big words that he doesn't understand like it would be it would be
3: awesome. Guys, I have the hugest vocabulary. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the, the outer borough
4: accents would just a- cancel each other Cause out. Because I'm from, from Long Island. You're from
3: Long Island. Um, think, anyways, please. so my name is Alyssa Fuchs, and I am from Long Island <laughs> originally, um, although I've been a resident of this great city for the past almost 10 years now. Uh, yeah, you can boy. find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Alyssa Fuchs, and that's Alyssa with an I, uh, I-L-Y-S-S-A, so don't get it twisted, okay. and also on Twitter at Alyssa Fuchs, or you can leave mm. a comment comment on the fan page mm. at politically preposterous um, you know because uh, I'm such a rhyming machine over here um, um, and I am
4: Jackie Cohen and happy to be here Is that a frock? People. A frock? Frock poppy?
2: Okay, I see you are here. What are you
4: frock? asking? Is it a frock? Yeah. It's a sw- like it's the sweater that I'm wearing
2: yes the frock? A frock?
4: It is, it's a cardigan um <laughs> I don't you believe it. Cardigan, because right? you've worn them before i've seen believe, you in a cardigan yes you do there's, i know you do there's no proof that you I you love cardigans. cardigans i i know of a time where you have worn a. <laughs> this cardigan. is a microaggression
1: I <laughs> anyway <laughs> all right stop it check um, if it. you want
4: to see pictures of me wear, wearing more cardigans cozy cardigans <laughs> for the winter um you can follow me on instagram or you can check me out on twitter at jackie cohen that's j-a-q-i C O H E N. Or you mm-hmm. could also
3: like read about her on CNN. Oh, okay. yeah. CNN Online. That was exciting. Yeah,
4: fake news.
2: So, guys, this is going to be an interesting show, isn't it?
1: Stanley, did
3: you introduce this show? Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yo, Sel- Sel- Good morning, Selena. Selena's mad because. Selena's still
2: me-
4: asleep, so don't mind,
3: sorry. her. Yeah.
2: She doesn't want to go to 4 o'clock. So, Selena's <laughs> mad because next week I'm going to be in Albany um, on Friday and Saturday, but for a special day that I will be making it for. I just want you to know that.
1: Silly, why are you ruining my mood? So what yeah, he's anyway. referring to oh. is, I guess, my birthday. Oh, he's and like that. He's he's coming this
3: year, but just late. Selena is so turning, turning 30 wait, that, like, this year. like last year you were coming, but just late, and then you didn't show up? That's best. a long story. <laughs> I know, if I know. am But Absolutely. Selena is turning 30 this week. That's awesome.
4: Yay. No, it's Yay. next week, please. Next week. Is it this week? Oh, it God. is this week. Oh, congrats. Welcome to Team Washed. Yeah. <laughs> I am
1: not ready, but you know what I am ready for? We have 230 30-year-olds in this room.
3: They, you know, I'm 31.
1: And I'm going to join plus. the club. I'm 20-something. Yeah. yeah, okay. Okay. Oh. I, I'm what not are you ready, at? guys. Never mind. I'm 20 gonna plus say 11. That. I'm going to be a 20-something for the next eight days. I mean six. But anyway, guys, I'm not ready to turn 30, but what I am ready for is to talk about how the country has voted to make America blue again. So, during this show, we will be talking about one year after trump was elected to president uh and basically ushered in a dark gloomy overshadow of our country um the country voted and we struck back at the ballots and we voted in a number of state and local elections to uh for democrats for progressives for people that look like us and speak like us and represent us and basically aren't as racist and or think <laughs> like the people that support Trump. I'm mm-hmm.
2: happy that we, yo, this is the first big Democrat win since two thousand and eight. This is the largest
4: one. And two thousand six. Well like the fir- the biggest non presidential yeah win since tw- uh two thousand six, yeah. which yeah. is yo, a long time ago. That's more than ten years. Yeah, I mean it's it's big news what happened this week. We don't win a lot.
2: Maybe we should become rape Racist, child molestation, <laughs> Republicans. <laughs> right,
4: we, and we probably went on, on the more time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, so we're going to be talking about that for the majority of the show. First, we'll start off talking about what has happened since Trump has been elected and basically how far our country has went downstream. And then we'll talk about how it almost has redeemed itself by voting yeah. red. Oh, no. um, <laughs> almost just <as> relative. <laughs> right, you and know. then baby steps. Yeah, the right we're direction. getting there. Hey, progress is progress, no matter how literal or small it is. And then later on in the show, we'll be inviting a very special dreamer to the show, Lisa King. She has been on the show before, Love Lisa King. but uh, now she's a full-time entrepreneur and she's working to empower youth, uh, teens and preteens across New York City. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and of course, guys, we want you to let your voice be heard. That means you should call us up at 212-650-6903.
2: You thought you got away with it, huh?
1: I did. And then you can also tweet <laughs> us at Be Herd underscore Radio, um, and you can hit us up on Facebook Live. We'll be taking your comments there. So, oh, we'll also be talking about Meek Mills and Roy Moore and Louis C.K. I forgot to say that. Oh, oh yeah, lovely. P.S. yes, yes, What are these?
2: What are those three? Are not perverts. Yeah. You right. Tell you
1: who. right So you yeah. right <laughs> so stay tuned to find out <laughs> yeah guys so we're going to go on a quick break but don't go anywhere when we come back we'll start a conversation about what has happened since trump became president right here on let your voice be heard
3: uh-huh. member
2: of the armed services in houston texas
3: steve scully what do you got Peter, we're keeping track of the numbers from the Associated Press, that's where the numbers that you see on the bottom of the screen on our website at cspan.org have been coming from and we can show you the map from the Associated Press as some key states come in including Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan and you can see right now that according to the AP, Hillary Clinton has 218 electoral votes. Donald Trump, 276. That would put him officially over the top. Again, that according to the Associated Press. Let's look at the two states that have been so critical to the Trump and the Clinton campaign in Wisconsin. The results showing that Donald Trump at 48.7 percent compared to 46.1 percent for Hillary Clinton.
2: And, earlier tonight and we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. This is Stanley Fritz here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and, of course, Jackie Cohen. And if you're like me, you probably had a slight panic attack having to go back in time and hear that yeah. garbage announcement. Donald Trump on November, what, November 10th? I think it was
3: like the 7th. No, it was the 6th. 7th. November
2: yeah, 7th. I don't care. It's just a horrible day. November 7th, 2016, Donald Trump beat maybe Hillary Rodham Clinton to become the forty fifth president of the United States of America. Um it has been one year since that date. Can you guys believe it? No. Mm.
3: Yes. Yes, yes, yes and no. I right? don't like believe
4: it's, it. It's felt like I mean he hasn't even been president for a year and yeah. it's felt like an eternity. Um it was it was November eighth, by the right. way. Um, but it's just what a what a year it's been. Yeah. It feels like 30 years
2: it is it has been a really interesting year um so guys we're gonna have a conversation and we want everyone to be a part of this so if you're on facebook live if you're on twitter if you're by the phones please call text engage with us about like where you were on election day when donald trump won the election um what you were feeling and i'll start with myself since selena looks so frantic go ahead selena
1: Stanley, you can start yourself and then hopefully <laughs> call on me next. <laughs> okay, if that's what you want to do. If that's what you want, so, you know, no pressure. But
3: although,
2: go on. So, usually I try to give like a big dramatic intro. I don't really think this needs this. I'll tell you guys where I was. So, on election day, um, actually, the day before election day, I was in upstate New York helping Zephyr teach out with her U.S. Congress race. And I got back to New York. I got back to New York City in the afternoon, and I remember doing a panel at the Grio. And they said, like, do you think Trump could win? And I said, never underestimate the ability of angry white people yeah. to be petty.
4: You said that for a long time. You yeah. were the like, you were very much of the belief that like yeah. this could totally happen, where other people denied it.
2: I was of the, of the belief, especially after like his convention, but I I hope deep inside of me that I was wrong because if I was right, it would mean that this country is really. Like, they care about racism and sexism and xenophobia and all the phobias more than they care about progress because, you know, that's what Trump was about. So I remember I was at Alyssa's house. I wanted to be at a friend's house just having fun. Me and Marilyn were at Alyssa's house. We had a couple of drinks. We're sitting there. And Hillary was down in Florida. And then I remember, like, I think it was either Alyssa or Marilyn. They were like, oh, it's still early. No big deal. Like, Florida's always close. And then an hour passed by. Florida was still close. And then she lost Pennsylvania. Mm
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Florida was still close. And then she lost Michigan, I think it was. Right. And then Florida, all of a sudden, it was too close to count. And the number was so high that it was almost, it was becoming very obvious that, like, Hillary wasn't going to win. And I remember looking at Alyssa and looking at Marilyn. And Alyssa, like, always being her, was arguing with, like, the pollsters on on CNN who who could not hear her. (laughs) But, like, she was like, this is not looking good, guys. And it was around 12 o'clock. And Marilyn and I decided to go home. And I remember I walked out, and I got a New York Times alert: Donald Trump is the next president of the United States. And I went home. Malin went home. And I mm-hmm. remember I did not sleep that night. No. And it was a very, very dark period for me, as you all know, and as some of you listeners yeah. know as well. Um, just about like what I thought about this country, what I thought about white people, what I thought about politics. And I'll be very honest with you. But I think before this election, I had this general idea in my mind that most white people were good people that cared. And we're just like, you know, need to learn or need to like open up their minds. And like now, since this election, still to this point, like, I just expect white people to disappoint me. And I'm happy for the ones that have not. And I'm appreciative of those like who I've shown that they're allies. So for me, this was like a huge shift in like just the way that I look at race and race relations in this country. So Selena, what about you?
1: <coughs> yeah. So um, on election night 2016, I was actually at the Jacob Javis Center oh. with um, Hillary Clinton oh. and a number of supporters. A lot of her base was there. Every news outlet was there. And I was extremely excited. Like, I remember I was, like, insta-snapping my way into, co- into the convention. I posted on Instagram, I am going to be here and witness this historic moment of the first woman to ever be elected president. Like, you could not tell me that I was not going to be part of history. And I kind of was, but just not in a good way. So I remember around, like, Eight or nine o'clock, my mom called me. She was like, Selena, you know things aren't looking good. And uh, me, I'm forever the optimist. I'm like, Mom we got this she's like no i'm really paying attention like it's not really looking good i'm getting kind of scared and i'm like no no it's it's, it's early it's early like everybody was very happy and, and jubilant inside of the convention center but i remember as each hour passed my mom she started giving me anxiety because she kept calling me and she was like i'm gonna turn the tv off i'm telling you we're not gonna win and i'm like mom It's it's feeling very somber in the convention center right now. People started sitting on the floor. Mm -hmm. People's faces were just, like, in dread. And then I remember we were all just waiting for Hillary to come out. We were just all waiting for a miracle, and it never happened. And instead... Um, by about 1.30 a.m. that in in the morning at the convention people were just in tears. They were hugging each other, and consoling one another and we were just, everyone felt hysterical and we felt such gloom and you know, I tried to stick it out and wait for Hillary to give some type of speech. That never happened and I remember by the time I got home, it was 3 a.m. I turned on the television and it was Donald Trump giving a victory speech. (laughs) And he looked more shocked than me. Him and Barron. He
3: was. Him and Barron. Um, yes. Yeah, so, um, thank you for that, Selena. I, uh, I was with Stanley, as yeah. he said, uh, we were at my apartment. Um, night started off. Well, I should first say contextually, I had always said that there was a possibility Donald Trump could win. I actually had that, you know, conversation with multiple people leading up to the election, including people who said there's was no way, uh, that, you know, as her blue wall was going to stick, and right. that, you know, she was going to win Mich- Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, and that even if she lost Florida and Ohio, uh, she would still win the election. And, you know, me as a political scientist, I had modeled the election out using a model that I developed during college multiple times. And based on my model, I believe that that was true. If the blue wall held, she would win. But if the blue wall crumbled, I knew she wouldn't. So already going into it, um, you know, I had this possibility in the back of my head that things were not going to go as well as they seemed. But I I had listened to the polls, um, and I, you know, also try and be optimistic. So I believed that um, the blue wall would hold. Um, So anyways, getting back to where we were. So I'm at my apartment, and I'm with Stanley, and um, I'm with – you know, Stanley's, um, girlfriend. And I'm with another friend of mine who lives around the block and we're watching the returns come in. And at first, as Stanley said, it was very early and there was, you know, it, it didn't really look like either way, like, yeah, it was close, but we sort of expected it to be close in places like Florida and in places like Ohio. Actually, I had already written Ohio off. I I thought she was going to lose Ohio. So I wasn't really too concerned about it. Um, but I expected it to be close in Florida. Um, and I remember I kept uh, sitting at my computer and I was watching the uh, New York Times like election tracker. And at first it was like the, the dials were like all the way I'm going like this because they were like dials. They were all the way towards Hillary. And I was like, OK, you know, listen, it's going to be a little bit of a rocky night. But at the end, she's going to end up pulling it out. And, you know, then we're going to go online and we're going to be like, ha, ha, ha. We told you so. We told you that Trump was going to lose. Um, of course, as Stanley pointed out, that never happened. And as the night went on, it became more and more clear um, that she was not going to win, and especially once we got the news on Pennsylvania and on Michigan. Um, at that point, I was like, "Well, you know, if she loses Wisconsin or she loses Florida, this is over. She loses." And Stanley left, and I went to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and but I went to bed with the TV still on. And when I woke up, it was two in the morning, and Donald Trump was what giving his nightmare to stage. Wisconsin. Um, at nightmare. which point, I just was so disgusted, I shut the TV off and went back yeah. to bed, knowing that I was leaving for Vegas the next day for vacation. Oh, right. Yeah, you left for um, January, which was a good timing. Which probably timing. was like. The best thing I ever did yeah, because definitely. it gave me a week that I didn't have to think about it or live in the reality of it. So,
2: yeah. th- like, but I d- wanted. Oh, go, go ahead, Jack, I'm sorry. Jack, oh
3: no, just really
4: quickly, I went to a podcast recording um, of Chapo Trap House, which I thought was going to be sort of the best place to watch the returns because they're like the snarky, like skeptical group of very smart people that comment on politics and um throughout the night we were all checking twitter and starting to realize what happened what was happening and sort of in shock and at one point you know this was like a comedy show and at one point they all started freaking out on stage and at which point i started realizing what was happening and um became so hysterical that i ran out of the building (laughs) in tears um and then i went home and went to bed because i like just i think The stress and trauma of it, like, I just passed out because I couldn't, like, listen to what was about to happen. And woke up the next morning to my best friend calling me at 7 a.m. hysterically crying because she was like, they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which is not out of the realm of possibility, as we've learned in this past year. And I remember sitting on the subway. I, I debated whether or not to go into work, and then I realized, like, we have to live, and you know, as a um, political organizer, like, I felt like, okay, it's more if you know, I gotta go. I gotta do it. Had a meeting with other um, organizers and advocates, and I was like, if they're going, I sure as hell can go. And
2: it was like a funeral. Um,
4: <laughs> it was it <laughs> dead <laughs> silence like on like a a the funeral. train. It was like nothing I've ever experienced. And I got to my meeting, and. Um, one of the people in our meeting who has lived in New York his whole life had said, you know, the last time I rode the train and it felt this way and it was this silent was right after nine 11. That is how our city responded to it. And, you know, I was fortunate to be, you know, we all grieved. Like, I think that it it really felt like a loss, like a death, like something, you know, a death of our hope in this country, like Stanley said. And it felt like we were grieving something that we just you know, there was no way like in our worst fears, this was going to become reality and our mm-hmm. worst fears came true. And I was grateful to be in a city where I could grieve openly and other people, you know, mirrored the way that I was feeling and yeah. we could be a support system to one another but many well yeah but many people didn't right many people throughout you know i had friends living in virginia across the country who were devastated as devastated by this but were surrounded by people really rubbing it in their faces and so that must have been much much harder
2: if you want to call in with your story give us a call at 212-650-6903 again that is 212-650-6903 or you can message us on facebook live we are taking comments and questions on let your voice be heard radios Facebook live chat um if you're on mine you leave a comment I'll read it as well shout out to Meredith and Earth Laguerre who are currently on mine. Um I wanna ask the question like what is like what was your big takeaway? At that point, I want to ask that question now because we're going to go on a break after that. And when we come back, I want to ask you that takeaway is still the same. What was your big takeaway after that election? A couple of days after that election? Jackie? Oh, I
4: mean, I think for me, it was like I was so sure this could never happen. And, you know, maybe that's because of my own privilege and sort of ignorance. But I was so sure that nothing like this could happen, that he couldn't actually become president. And that was really short sighted and ignorant of me. And I've definitely learned to not take for granted that someone like this in this country can become president because it happened and he is the president. Donald Trump is our president. Um, and, you know, I think I was really sure of myself and what I believe to be true and in, in how politics works in this country.
3: And I was totally wrong. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, I would agree with that. I would say, like, right after the election, I. Um, Um, my thought was like, something has to be wrong. Like this can't actually be the case. Um, You know, I was like, maybe there was, uh, you know, obviously the there was a it was close in a bunch of states and so i'm like maybe that there's still returns that haven't come in maybe there's still ballots that need to be counted like absentee ballots stuff like that um you know this really was so close you know in like so many states um denial you, is like the first right, step exactly exactly right? so <laughs> like my first thing was to be like in denial Questioning. um my you know my second thing um was like to automatically sort of start to like place blame in many different places um but essentially my first place that I placed ba- blame, and I'll admit this, was with some of the Bernie people that had stayed home. Um, you know, I was very dis- you know, very disappointed, and I felt like, you know, I can't believe uh, um, you did this. I can't believe that you didn't go out and vote. I can't believe that, um, you know, you couldn't just suck it up and come together as a party. Um, over time, though, I realized, I- 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 I'm still mad at some of those people, but I understand it. I will say that. Yeah. Um, at time, I started to realize that it was many different factors, and that it wasn't just these people staying home and i started to look at everything and i started to realize like as much as i like i was like medium to warm on Hillary, I won't say like hot on Hillary because I did vote for Bernie in the primary, that there was some significant flaws with her candidacy and with her campaign. I started to realize that there, there was the Russian interference, which definitely had an impact. I started to realize that the Bernie people also came into play um, and the white working class people. And then I started to realize it wasn't just this one thing and that I couldn't just go around being mad at the Bernie people uh, for staying home, that I just had I had to look at all of the different factors. that which point I came to realize, at least to me, there were six different factors that interplayed to uh, uh, help this election end up where it did, and that, you know, if you really wanted to be informed and educated, you had to look at it from that perspective.
2: Selena?
1: Yeah, I would say, quickly, um, I felt the same way. that I, My takeaways were pretty similar to Jackie and Alyssa's, where it was like, everything that I felt was so certain and sure was completely flipped upside down yeah. and i didn't really know how to react at that point i mean if we remember every like most legitimate polls and news sources were saying that hillary had like an 80 percent chance of winning so and i remember like even conversations that we've had on the show we were all really sure like everyone within yeah. my circle or bubble whatever you want to call it about was extremely sure and like we were all just waiting for something to happen and it never came and it was like i guess one of the biggest takeaways uh, another big takeaway was i didn't realize just how much people didn't like hillary and just how much she wasn't resonating with enough people we know that you know she won the majority of the black vote the latino vote but it, it wasn't enough to get her over that hump
2: you know selena it's interesting that you ended your um your thoughts on that with that piece right there because that leads right into where i felt on election day i blamed white people Um, I thought that white people had shown their true colors and I thought that anybody who voted for Trump was racist and problematic and white people are the reason that we are in this mess. That is how I felt. And I had a lot of anger towards white people, a lot Mm -hmm. of anger. And I think if you look at my Facebook posts, like from that time period, you'll see it. Um, you know, we, we've all had our journeys, and I want us to talk about that. But before we do, we, we have to go on a quick break, guys. So, like, hold those thoughts. Um, when we come back, I want Alyssa to give us, like, three of the six pieces that she thinks that— reasons why she thinks, like, Hillary lost the election. And I want to talk about where we are now as far as our thought processes on these guys. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard.
3: But I know Jesus.
0: I walk alone. Why are expectations so high? Is it the bar I
2: set, my arms I stretch, but I can't reach a far cry from it, or it's in my grasp. But as soon as I grab squeeze, I lose my grip like the flying trapeze, into the
1: dark I plummet. Now the sky's blackening, I know the uh, mark's high, but the flies rip uh, apart my stomach. Knowing that no matter what bars I come with, you're going to heart gripe, and that's a hard fight
2: getting to swallow. So I scrap these As pressure increases like khakis I feel the ice cracking because
3: It's the curse of the standard that the
2: first of the Mathers disc set. Always in search of the verse that I haven't spit yet. Will this step just be another misstep to tarnish whatever the legacy love or respect? I've garnered The rhyme has to be perfect. The delivery flawless. We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. This is Stanley Fritz. I'm here with Selena Hill, Alyssa Fuchs, and of course, Jackie Cohen. And you were just listening to Eminem's new single with Beyonce, Walk on water and i thought it was a great song to play going into that break because it just speaks of someone who was doubting everything that they have ever believed in they're doubting themselves and they're struggling with the fact that things can't be the way that they used to be and i think that's really reflective of the way that a lot of us felt on election day and it really hit the mood so i wanted to share that song with you all i know we have a comment from facebook live i want to read that comment really briefly and then i'll pick up from where i left off
1: absolutely so tina Boozer has chimed into our conversation about uh, one year later uh, what happened happened after Trump was elected and we started off talking about how we felt Um, she says how do we change the way the electoral college functions as it stands now they have proved that our votes really doesn't matter and I think that was a huge takeaway because I think a lot of people felt like your vote doesn't matter Uh, she added on saying he is not my president I am president List." I made the T-shirt to verify it, and she also says That's there. That works. <laughs> uh, you should know that it, it's kind of happening. I works. got a bottle on
2: my face right yeah, now. Right now.
1: Uh, and she also says there are floors. With her, meaning Hillary Clinton, period. I was a Bernie supporter, but I still voted. The devil you know versus the devil you don't know. Thank you so much, Tina Boozer, for sharing your opinions uh, about Trump and the election. And guys, if you want to chime in, you
3: can call us up at 212-650-6903. Um, so yeah just to answer that question I actually sent a response um, on Facebook and she added to that she said most of what you're saying is accurate Hillary had more than 2 million votes more than Trump she still won the popular vote the only reason he won was because of the electoral college and she's right Um, Hillary did win the popular vote um, by more than 2 million votes and actually you know I should add to that and then I'll answer her question which is the other thing I was feeling that night was sadness I was so excited to have a female president um, you know to finally make history and then the realization that that was not going to happen and that we were going to have another male president um, and that not knowing whether we'll ever see a female president in my lifetime. But um, just to get back to Tina's question, which is there's two ways to change this situation with the Electoral College. The first way would be to actually amend the Constitution, which would be really difficult. You would need to get two-thirds of the House, two-thirds of the Senate to vote on that. The president would have to sign it, and then it would have to be ratified by two-thirds of the state. So that's very highly unlikely uh, that the Constitution's actually changed. But there's another way uh, to deal with this issue that does not require the Constitution to be changed, and it's called the National um, Voter National Popular Vote Interstate Compact. And what it is, is it's a law that each state can pass, and what that says that law that the state passes basically says that that state will allot all of their electoral votes to the winner of the national um, popular vote, regardless of who actually wins in their state. And so what that means is, um, like, if you're Ohio, you basically say uh, whoever wins the national popular vote is where Ohio's electoral votes go to instead of saying whoever wins the state of Ohio gets Ohio's electoral votes. And so that would guarantee a situation if all the states signed on to it where whoever wins won the popular vote would automatically get the votes from each and every state and therefore we would not actually have to do away with the electoral college but we would guarantee a situation where whoever won the popular vote would always win the electoral college as well
2: dude do you just have that random facts in your back pocket we didn't even plan (laughs) to talk about that how, she had like two things She's like yeah let me tell you about this bill that no one else is talking about that I know everything about I think you wrote the bill Lisa.
3: <laughs> I did not wrote the bill but there was a very well, interesting op-ed about bill? it you in the, um, the in the New York Times I did not write the bill I'm um, Huber, um, <laughs> in, in the New York Times last week that I read um, I recommend you check that out but you should just learn up on this thing I know this is like an aside but yeah. the National Popular Vote Interstate Compact is a really good idea on how we can fix this issue
2: yeah that actually sounds like a really reasonable thing to do so I, I want to pick up where I left off when I talked about like my lack of trust or belief in white people anymore because they voted for Trump um a year later I'm not as angry as I was I still blame white people for this election I still blame white people for a lot of what's happening I blame white people for the way the conversation has been going because white people lead most of the media spaces and they are white people who are being held who are being are the ones that have to hold them accountable and they're forgiving what he they're forgiving him and apologizing for his behavior um do I think that every single trump voter is racist still no I don't do I think that they're racially problematic? Um, a lot of them, yes. Do I think that they're complicit in racism? Absolutely. But I think that there are people within that coalition that are redeemable.
3: I mean, I, uh, go on, Celine.
1: No, I mean, you know, it, it's funny when Stanley was saying that, like, you know, how he right, rightfully puts a lot of blame on racism. Uh, Racist voters who are white and who voted for um, no, Trump—white people. Well, well, the thing is, you know, you named that. You know, white people are head of all these institutions, including media, mm-hmm. our justice system, et cetera. That. So when Barack Obama was um, um, voted in, did you think white people? No. <laughs> no, no, no because the thing is if you if, if, it's, if no. it's so no but just to clarify just to clarify, what I'm saying is that like you're like white people who hold all this power, right? Mm-hmm. And you're saying like guys, you are the reason why we have another racist president. You know, yeah. he's not the first, but, like, but I'm saying that, you know, do you also shift no, because oh, all of that responsibility fall on white people when good things happen. No,
2: because first of all, I think you're making a false equivalence. Right. People of color came out in droves to support Obama birth both times and
1: young people. Yes.
2: White people came out in the highest number to come out since 2004 to vote for Trump. They were motivated to vote for that. And that's why I blame them.
4: Yeah. And many, you know, many people were motivated to vote for that, to vote for that rhetoric. And many people just felt like, oh, well, we can put it aside. Right. And what privilege is that to say I can put aside all the ignorant crazy bs that he is spewing because it doesn't really affect me and you know maybe I'll all all benefit from his presidency right like that what a privilege that is so i think the combination of people who felt like yeah he's speaking my language like this is yeah. what i want like make america white again like they turned out and vote in droves and then people who were like you know what oh yeah he says these things but won't really affect me at the end of the day so I'm just gonna vote for him anyway that is a problem as well and so when Stanley talks about white people being complicit and you know and the and Trump white Trump voters specifically being complicit in racism, I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah.
3: I mean, yeah, listen, uh, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, I know we're going to talk about this in the next segment, but you literally have people saying right now that they would rather elect Roy Moore, a pedophile, than a Democrat. So, I mean, like, politics has become so divided in this country, that, and people are so needing to get behind their team at all costs uh, that they literally think a child molester is a better person to elect than a Democrat, because (coughs) Democrats are worse i mean that's a, that's a good
2: point but my question to you would be who's role who who is roy, roy Moore's base
3: right no i mean agree i'm White not a, right right exactly i mean i agree with you there so yeah. there's not really a, no uh, i'm not but, saying
2: you disagree but i want to point that out for the listeners right okay. no
3: exactly but i will say i think you have come a long way in some sense because when we did the segment two weeks ago about the heroin crisis mm-hmm. um and about the opioid crisis you pointed out that there are um people living in like places in Ohio that are predominantly white working class neighborhoods that are on heroin and that they have nothing to do and that they have no jobs. And to me, that was sort of an implicit acknowledgement that there were other reasons uh, that people came out yeah. and voted for Trump because they were angry that didn't necessarily have to do with race. However, I will say this, race relations have obviously gotten worse since the election of in. Donald Trump. I mean, like, this. we have seen this from the inauguration to Charlottesville to some of the things we're seeing today so there's definitely something that needs to be said about the role that race is playing in the election of donald trump it it was
2: the role right
3: exactly and what we need to do to combat that kind of thing selena yeah
1: Yeah, no no absolutely i think that donald trump did a really good job of playing up white identity politics and 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 tapping into the anger of that base and then mobilizing them and it's it's almost leaves a question of can the Democrats do that? Should they do that? I mean, it's like moving forward. I mean, I'm not uh, moving forward in order to win elections. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done in order to get to mobilize as many white people to come to vote, but not for Republicans, for Democrats. Let
2: me probe deeper. So like, should Democrats use identity politics as white people like to call it? to win elections
1: not necessarily that just asking? that question but it's it's what what tactics or strategies should be done well republicans use fear and
2: racism and authoritarianism are you saying that like should Democrats be asking themselves if they should be using some of that?
3: No, I'm saying what should they be doing? She's just that's what, what they're doing. Oh, exactly. sorry, sorry. I uh, know. I'm just saying. I think that's something that we should talk about. Yeah. Uh, after we come back from like the news roundup. Yeah. Just in terms of strategy, because I know we're going to talk during the next segment about the Democrats' big wins in the last elections. So I just think we should table that till later. Yeah.
2: So Jackie, go ahead.
3: Oh, I mean, I don't even remember right. what this, well, like that because you moved it past the point that I was. Right. So well, let's
2: let's shift some gears then, guys. I don't want to talk about. I remember when I was in the cab heading home, and my friend Meredith, who's watching right now, hi Meredith, called me, and she goes like, "What's going to happen?" I'm like, "We've lost. We've lost everything. We've lost Obamacare. Roe versus Wade is dead. We're going to have a, a conservative Supreme Court justice on. Everything is going to hell. Net neutrality <laughs> is going to be a problem." And I remember like she was crying, and like I was drinking on the in the cab because I went on a bit of a minor bender. Um, yeah, as
4: many of us did. Yeah.
2: Um, ugh. But anyways, it's 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 November now. How much of that stuff, like, what did you think was going to happen, Jackie? Well,
4: like, you you asked this question before, right? Like, has it been as bad? Because what was so scary about Trump in, you know, one one thing that was so scary about Trump was that we didn't know. There was a lot of unknown about how he would actually be as a president. You know, what would he support? What would yeah. he put forward? Was it just rhetoric and he was using it to get elected? And he, would he actually turn out to be pretty moderate or ineffective? I mean, I think it's been pretty horrible, right? Like, it's, you know, he has gone forth and done and, you know, tried to enact really terrible things. And, you know, he's, like, tweeting at... North Korea this morning or last night, and you know, like joking around by getting us involved in a nuclear war. But that that aside, you know, the things that he's tried to do to block people from entering this country, to kick people who are in this country out of this country. I mean, I think that we've seen immigration ICE raids ICE increase. Is like a, a gang now. They're like the Gestapo. They're like showing up yeah. at people's houses in the middle of the night and tearing their families apart. Show up at hospitals. Yeah, and so has it been bad? Has he, you know, sort of enacted and executed on the things that he promised he would yes absolutely right this is not and you know what's what's worse is that most republicans there are some republicans that um you know have spoken out against him but those are all the republicans that are no longer seeking office that aren't going to run for next term right but everybody else that is seeking to stay in office
3: has lined up behind him Alyssa? right i mean listen i agree with that the when i the next day when i got uh you know, on the plane to go to Vegas, to go on my vacation, I just kept running back through in my head all the things that we might lose. I kept thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my health care because I'm, I have Obamacare. Um, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get health care um, and what's going to go on with that. And then I was like, you know, and, you know, there's going to be a Supreme court justice because they stole the seat, right. which Jackie mentioned. And that's going to have a big impact on my life and my work, because as a lawyer, you know, the decisions that the Supreme court make affect me and affect my clients directly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just was like, sort of having this minor freak out. Cause I mean, for all these reasons, I was like climate change, like that's a huge issue. And now nobody's going to do anything about that. And we have a very small window of time to be able to deal with it mm-hmm. before it becomes too late, um, you know, for our country and for the, planet period um and just so many other issues like like you said roe versus wade but i was also thinking about transgender people and lgbt people and like all the different types of rights that were going to be rolled back and even stuff like you know tax legislation and you know cutting funds from the poor um and just everything now that the republicans were going to be able to get done that they were not going to be able to get done prior to this point because obama kept vetoing all these pieces of legislation that they kept trying to pass um and that's still a huge concern of mine today, although I will say because Donald Trump has absolutely no government experience whatsoever, has no clue what he's doing, is mostly a five-year-old child Mm -hmm. um, and has been hugely distracted, to use his words, by the Russia investigation about whether him and his associates colluded with Putin, who, by the way, he believes over 17 agencies, um, you know, when Putin says, we didn't do it. Um, And that, to me, has been a huge distraction to the point where I've started to realize, like, maybe I was overly concerned about Donald Trump getting things done that he now can't get done because of his own distractions. But that doesn't mean that the Republican Party won't get them done and that he's not an idiot that will sign those bills if they get to his desk. So I'm still concerned about those things. And
2: you should be concerned about those things because there's a lot that Donald Trump has not been able to get done. But remember net neutrality? Yeah. Like, so we had the internet considered a public good, so you can't try to, like, charge it at different tiers depending on how you use it. Well, Donald Trump appointed someone that's highly against net neutrality, and they've been rolling back Obama's net neutrality um, laws for the last couple of months. And we're going to see a, a point probably the next three to six months where the web like internet service providers can now start charging you different prices depending on how you use the internet so if you like to watch netflix and stream and listen to music they will charge you a higher tier they can charge websites more money to have like the, the loading speeds go up or they can char- like they can make it so that you don't see a website because they're not willing to pay that's one of the things Donald Trump has done. They have completely destroyed the Environmental Protection Agency. They have chemical lobbyists and they have oil lobbyists working in that agency now, pushing mm-hmm. things forward. The Secretary of State, remember that? We pretty much don't have one. They have not hired anybody in the State Department to do they're anything. They're firing people in the State yes, Department. They're, they're decimating the State Department. Exactly. They're firing and decimating people in the State Department. They're appointing judges all across the country at a rate higher than anyone has seen in years. They just appointed someone who has no court experience.
3: An unqualified judge. Can I speak on that for a half? Ahead, second okay so the guy is 36 years old i mean these are the type of people that he picks the guy is 36 years old he's never tried a case um you know he's <laughs> never actually practiced law in federal court he runs a legal blog and apparently he's qualified for a lifetime position on a federal court well if that's the case i've actually tried a case so hey donald if you want to appoint me to federal court right now you know i'm uh, i'm interested yeah. um no I'm, I'm just i'm just joking on that front but like yeah it's crazy literally the most unqualified people like betsy devos rex tillerson he is absolutely decimating our government
2: now like he tried to put the transgender ban in the military and thank goodness our military people have fought back against that but actually them fighting back against that is not a good thing because it means the military is not listening to the governing body so technically that's kind of an insurrection guys it's not too good then there's also the fact that he has pumped in more money towards police officers and allowed police precincts to get back those same high-volume weapons they had before that they used on people in Ferguson and Mississippi. He has empowered ICE and has pretty much allowed them to govern themselves and not be held accountable to anything at all. So even though he is stupid and he has failed to repeal the Affordable Care Act and it looks like they're going to fail on their tax plan and it looks like his religious ban is not going to work again, he has still gotten a lot of things accomplished. Do you know why that's happened, guys? Well, honestly, it's not him. It's the Republican Party. And the question I've been asking for the last two weeks, and I'll ask it again, is what's the difference between Donald Trump's policies and the Republican Party? Not how Trump acts, not what Trump says. His policy, Selena.
1: No, and I think that that's a fair question to ask because I frankly don't see a big difference. I mean, stylistically, we know that Donald Trump is one of the most bombastic presidents that we've ever had, and he's just very outward about his racism. But the Republican Party seems to be pushing their very scary and horrible agenda. Well, they're trying to push their agenda through, uh, which is you know tax reform and tax cuts for the rich, um, repealing and replacing uh, the Affordable Care act and Electing other things child molesters. right and other right. things that pretty much would detriment our country so i don't i don't think there is a big difference
3: I mean, I mean, listen. I, I agree with you. I don't think that there's a big difference anyway. These are the things they want. They want to yeah. get rid of abortions. They want to deport undocumented immigrants, even those people who were brought here as children by no fault of their own. They want to ban Muslims, despite the fact that there's no such thing as a anti-Muslim clause in the First Amendment of the Constitution. Um, I mean, they they have all these ideas about. Um, you know, like that are not even based in fact about crime numbers going up and violence and, you know, all these other things. And they're totally not even based in reality. Um, right. And that is the Republican Party. So, you know, I agree. There, there really is not a lot of daylight between Donald Trump and the Republican Party in terms of policy.
4: And he could potentially help Republicans in, in their image, right? Because he is so bombastic and so far out there that for a lot of more, more moderate, even Democrats, um, you know, I've heard a lot of folks saying, "Oh, well, like he's so wild that I would take anybody, right? I would take Marco Rubio over him, or I would take Mark, uh, Mike Pence." Everybody over loves
3: him. George Bush now. You yeah,
4: know? everybody nope. loves nope. George Bush now, which is so gross and they you know so quickly we forget um how far you know things have gone but so he does a lot of good for the image of more moderate republicans right and they're he sort of normalized.
2: they're just like
4: less
3: crazy exactly well, low- i mean low. less loud and yeah. sort of
4: outrageous to
3: me that's debatable which we're going to talk about in a minute but yeah. Ed Gillespie lost so yeah. you that's know, true right and we'll get into we're that we're going to get into that
4: in,
2: yeah. yep so, guys, we do have to wrap up this conversation. I just want to say this. been. If you are a Democrat, if you're someone on the left, if you believe in progressive politics and equality for all people, then this has been a rough year for you because we have pretty much been fighting the worst thing to happen to progress and people knowing how to read since, I don't know, Woodrow Wilson. It's been really, really rough. But the fight is still going on. We have opportunities to win, and you are seeing more and more cracks into the statute that is called fascism. And we had a huge victory this past week in um, Virginia and in New Jersey and in some other parts of the country. And what it tells us is that we can win this. Even if right now it feels like we're losing, we can win this. So, with that being said, guys, we're going on a quick break. When we come back, it'll be the news roundup, and we'll talk some more about the political stuff that makes us frustrated.
1: That's we
3: That's we That's we that's how we
2: fall We are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, The Voice of Harlem. This is Stanley Fritz with my Obama is King t shirt. I'm here with Jackie Cohen, Alyssa Fuchs, and of course, Selena Waldo, Feraldo, Baldo Hill. And if you were just tuning in, we had a great conversation about one year after Trump became president. And we talked about how depressed we are and how white people and Ashy Knuckle Uncle Toms have helped to make Trump be a moderately failing president and a failing president. (laughs) Allegedly, yes. And now it's the news roundup where we talk about things that make us laugh, cry, curse, or even flip a table. And I want to start off very briefly with something that made us cry. Last week, Sunday, a man entered a church and killed, shot and killed 27 people and injured another another 24. He killed half of the people in that church. And once again, the debate about gun control spurred up for about five minutes and then was killed again because Republicans have no backbone. And this country, as far as legislative leaders, have no backbone. So I pass my condolences to all those lives that were lost, and I send my warmest wishes to people struggling after that, and I tell Congress and Senate to get your crap together.
1: Yeah, it was pretty devastating. I mean, you know, it's another—the way I looked at it is another white man. I don't know what he's upset about this time, and Mm -hmm. he goes out and kills people. Like, it's a mass shooting. It's domestic terrorism. Our president refuses to call it as it is, but I think that, you know, just seeing— the stereotypes continue to replay. Like, you know, he almost gets a pass for ha- be having mental health issues. Uh, like, every single person who kills another person doesn't have a mental health issue. Like, it's just unfair at this point. I think that's
2: a cop-out. I'm tired of people saying it's a mental too. health issue. Because I mean, it's yeah. not
3: a mental 90,
2: health issue. Yeah, 96% of people with mental health issues are non-violent.
3: Right. It's right, probably right. higher
2: than that. No. And, like, we we create a stigma.
3: You know, listen, I know we are going to we don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but the number one indicator that somebody's going to commit a mass shooting is that they have a domestic violence conviction yeah. or they've been charged with domestic violence. Well, guess what? This guy was charged with domestic violence not once, but twice, and actually did A year in the brig before domestic violence charges, and that where he was alleged to have cracked the skull of an infant. Okay, so you know, because there's nothing like so pro life as that and guns, yeah, yeah.
2: I don't want to talk about this anymore, guys. Let's just let's please move on from this.
1: Yeah, so speaking of devastation, um, Roy Moore, who is running for U.S. Senate, uh, as a Republican Republican. chicken, uh, right in Alabama, (laughs) um, yeah, so. I mean, well, here's the thing. The country is finally having an awakening moment when it comes to women share. speaking out against sexual harassment, abuse, now, and assault. Now, this case with Roy Moore obviously falls right into that. Um, a number of women have came out saying that not only were they assaulted or harassed, but they that they were actually molested when they were like 14 years old or or between 14 and 16 different women said that Roy Moore had sexual contact with them. I think 17 is the legal age of consent in Alabama, but it's still pretty creepy because Roy Moore uh, was about 30, 32 years old when he was engaging in inappropriate activity with young teenage girls.
2: And a couple of his colleagues from that time period have come out and said that it was like a known thing that he was doing. Yeah,
1: of course it was because it (laughs) always
2: is. And they just, Thought it was weird, and no.
1: But then they used like they actually used like a biblical reference and was like, "Oh my god!" No, it was horrible. They were like, "Well, Mary was with an older man, right?"
3: But Mary so, was a virgin, <laughs> what supposedly makes me, according but what makes to their fairytale. What
1: makes me so
4: upset about this is that you know w- what's been happening in the past few months in this country is that women have been taking down men who have done these things. You know, between Harvey Weinstein, we'll talk about Louis C.K. There, but you know, there's been met uh, Bill O'Reilly. Um, so left and right, yet it seems to stop when it comes to elected officials. Obviously, there was a tape of Donald Trump admitting to this, um, and he was still elected. That you know, this tape was released before he, uh, right before the election. Uh, Roy Moore is polling very well. I think he has like 72 percent approval rating. 71 percent
2: right of people in Alabama thinks he should stay in so the race. So where
4: is this disconnect happening? Why are you know? Why can we not take down men like this? Right? If we can take down Harvey Weinstein
3: and Louis C.K., we should be able to take down you men. Know in our, you know why you can take those
2: men down, right? Because these are people that are being held accountable by progressive circles.
3: Ugh. Right. No, I mean, the reason why we can't hold these people accountable is because people care more about politics and about their party than they do about like people being dirty child molesters I allegedly think, i think it'd be I, nice
2: i think people don't care about women
3: well, no, no 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 that's true that's another factor i'm just talking about from the political point of view there has been multiple 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 people that have come out and said they do not want to lose this seat to a democrat that they would happily rather vote for a child molester even though they know he's a child molester or allegedly a child molester because it is far worse to give this seat up to Doug Jones to the Democrat than it is to vote Roy Moore into office. So yes, I agree with you on the other things. Um, But I'm just talking about in terms of politics itself, people don't want to lose to Democrats because that's the type of partisanship we have.
2: I'm not, I mean, you're probably right. You're more than likely you're right. I don't care. People are supporting a child molester, period. I mean, I agree with you. I don't care about Democrat or Republican. People are supporting a child molester, a sexual predator. I don't care about Democrat or Republican. We have a serious problem when grown adults with children of their own are supporting child molesters. They are disgusting.
3: Right. I mean, and it goes even farther than that because you have the media saying things like, you know, Weinstein, he's guilty. Even though you know, but which actually there is now evidence coming out that he might be right. Then you have him saying things like Anthony Weiner guilty, and guess what? Anthony Weiner was guilty. Um, but then you you know these the same people who are saying wait. There's a presumption of innocence. Wait for all the facts. If it's true, are the same people who say that an unarmed black man obviously right. must be guilty. So there's also a level of racial hypocrisy that's coming into play here.
1: Selena? Right, no, and, and I agree. And I, I think that... Um, You know, even when we look at Louis C.K., who was a a great comedian, and a lot of his stand-up comedy actually touched on things that were almost like feminist in nature. And he talked about, you know, his weird antics. He talked a lot about masturbation. And then it just comes out that he was actually masturbating in front of women, and it was unsolicited. They didn't want that. And he was also sexually abusing women. And it's like the the question that I have, like, and I would love to hear from the panel and you guys if you're listening is – can we separate the art from, the, pe- from the, the sexual abuser or the pedophile or the harasser? Because I think that what's happening as we see, like, the Harvey Weinsteins, like, things unravel for him and how they unraveled for Bill Cosby, and it leaves us as viewers sort of in this conundrum where it's like these are our uh entertainment heroes these are iconic right. people that changed entertainment and opened up so many doors for black people for women for minorities and they did a lot of good work so can we continue to support people like Louis ck harvey weinstein bill cosby etc.? no no because the, when you continue to support them
4: They continue to do this, right? When it comes to Louis C.K., the the um, you know what he confessed to doing was rumored about for years. This wasn't anything new. Obviously, Harvey Weinstein, people knew about what he had been doing for years. So much so that it was like a joke within the industry. So when you continue to support the art and not and separate the art from the action, the actors continue to to do these things, right? So you have to put a stop to it and you know i'm not saying like listen i'm a huge comedy fan louis ck is somebody who i have supported i have seen him live three or four times i've gone to see him i have bought his comedy albums i've i've supported his work For years, he has been one of my favorite comedians. And this is devastating to me to learn, but I cannot continue to support him. And I, at one point, considered myself one of his biggest fans. I will not continue to support him, you know, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of great comedians out there that aren't masturbating in front of women and putting them into a position where they feel vulnerable and unsafe.
3: There's a lot of great women comedics out there that are not masturbating in front of men.
4: Incredible women who are comedians. And, you know, it's unfortunate because especially in the comedy field, women are constantly... constantly told that they're not funny, that they're not funny like men are, and what we've seen is like this male-dominated space, and it's changing a lot, and obviously there are tremendously incredible women comedians um, who are, you know, doing great work, but you know, this has been such a male-dominated space for so long, and so if these men are going to take part in these kinds of actions and harass and assault women, we cannot continue to support them. In a field like media, in a field like comedy, there are so many brilliant, hysterically funny actors, comedians that we can choose to support. We don't need to, you know, it's not like Louis C.K is the only comedian and we get what we get. There's plenty of other people that aren't, assaulting and harassing women that we can choose to support
3: you know i mean listen i just wanted to read you something quick that came from larry hogan who's actually a republican governor and he said roy Moore's defenders should ask themselves if they would be so quick to excuse him if the victim was their daughter or if the offender was a democrat he is unfit for office and should step aside americans are better than this and he's right that's what you have to ask yourself before you go defending these actions and trying to say that you know we don't want a democrat to win this election or whatever other um you know garbage you tell yourself to try and justify this ask if it was a democrat accused of this would you feel the same way i can bet you the answer would be no and ask yourself also if it was your daughter who the, who was uh, the victim of this type of behavior would you still defend the accuser you know, i can tell you the answer is probably no you know how no. many
2: people who had their daughters or their children come and tell them they've been sexually assaulted and the parents say don't say anything mm-hmm. you know what i don't think that's a good thing i, I don't think that's a fair way because they probably be like keep it to yourself this is bigger and i also about i
1: hate us. this
4: like i, mean, I I get it and i i think it's important and if that's how men need to understand what these actions mean like fine but it's like i've never had to be think to myself you know i have a brother and i have a father and i'm not going to sexually harass or assault a man because i have men that i know and they are human beings and so all men must be human beings you know i hate this sort of idea of like oh well men who have sisters and wives and mothers like you know don't do these things because You know, what if somebody did it to them? Like, just don't do them because we're all human beings. Don't touch somebody without their permission or harass them or put them in a position where they fear... Retaliation or losing
1: their job because they don't want to, you know, acknowledge your advances. You right. Know? No, that's absolutely right. And I think that we would need a cultural shift in our thinking because it shouldn't take you identifying with somebody who's close to you for you to feel some type of empathy around the situation. And a lot of times the men only feel um, only feel some type of way or empathetic towards a, a girl who could be her daughter is because it's like they're pro- they feel like they have to protect, and it would like def- it would it would sort of taint their image as, like, being a good father, a good provider, a good protector. And it's, like, it also feeds into their ego. So I think Jackie is right that we need to just look at human beings and children as that and realize that if we are going to be any type of decent person with a moral compass or character, you know, that's the lens we need to view things. But speaking of that, I did want to shift gears because there's a big protest about Meek Mill, who is a rapper from Philadelphia. Uh, He dated Nicki Minaj for two years and he was arrested Um, Very recently and will probably be doing two to four years in prison. The reason why he's been on probation for like 11 years and he violated his probation by popping wheelies on his dirt bike, breaking up a fight. And I think it was uh, some other really like minuscule thing that all human beings do. And now he's literally So he literally went back to court and the judge said you violated your probation. Now you're probably you're going to serve two to four years.
2: Yeah. So Meek Mill served eight months for um, a a weapons charge about, about like almost 10 years ago now and he's been on probation since then and this actually happens to a lot of people who are like they plea out because they'll get out in six months or a year two years and then they're pretty much held hostage by probation for years meek mill um he's not one of my favorite people he's not one of my favorite rappers which is not as important obviously um he does not deserve to be in prison in jail for two to four years mm. and i think that you know some something is wrong with the system where someone who maybe is an idiot definitely is an idiot but not a danger to anyone and not committing any crimes has to go into the prison system. And I feel like that this judge is just trying to make an example for no reason.
3: Absolutely. I mean, just to look at it from the legal perspective, what people don't realize is that when people are on probation or parole, they are not free, right? They are still under the custody and subject to the custody of the prison system. I mean, probation's a little different because probation is usually an alternative to jail. Um, So usually the way probation works is, Instead of sending you to jail, we're going to give you the opportunity to try and quote unquote reform yourself on the outside. But you have to comply with certain conditions. And if you do not comply with those conditions, then you go to jail because the whole probation is supposed to be, um, you know, something that's not as punitive. The problem with probation, as Stanley points out, is there's so many conditions that generally what ends up happening is somebody ends up violating one of those conditions and going back to jail um so you know there's obviously changes that need to be made within the probation system to make it so that there is some kind of second chance where just because you screw up on probation maybe once you know somebody could be on probation for five years they screw up probation once they could end up in jail for the next four years Mm -hmm. so that is something that definitely needs to be changed but parole is a little different because what parole is is you serving your the rest of your prison sentence on the outside and so at any time if you screw up they can put you back into prison whether it's for a small thing like riding a bike on the sidewalk or for it's a big thing like you know raping somebody the fact that now obviously a judge is supposed to look at what it is that you have alleged to do but the fact is what people don't realize is parole is you literally are still in prison you're just serving that prison sentence at home so at any time if you screw up Even if you have police contact and you don't actually get arrested, the government can say one of the conditions of your parole is you're not allowed to have police contact. So you have to go back to prison and serve the rest of your sentence. And that's something we should obviously talk about on a, on a, you know, another segment maybe in the future. Um, But, you know, there's obviously big issues in terms of the probation system, the parole system and how they work and why people go to jail for minor things when they are out on parole. Yeah, absolutely. And just to end
1: this conversation, there was this meme going around saying how it's so ironic and still horrendous that Meek Mill can do two to four years for popping a really and breaking up a fight, whereas a police officer who shoots a black man probably won't get any. They're not even indicted or if they are, they're acquitted. So I mean, the justice system in our country, it, it's just, it's, it's its not fair. And obviously, we all know this. And this this case just further affirms that. But we, we definitely need to do something.
2: So, guys, I want to kind of close this off on a high note. Um, uh, Let's always be heard, alumni member, um, a friend, and a friend of the show, Patricia Valoy, had her first child. Yes. That's week, so congratulations Cute. to Patricia and Sammy. And you know what's funny? Patricia, even back in the days, Patricia, Patricia would be like, I'm never having kids. I don't think she ever
1: said that. She always wanted children. She had a cute one. I pictures and her baby looks adorable. Yes, she does. So, Patricia,
2: Sammy, congratulations to your new bundle of joy.
1: All right, guys. And on that note, we do have to take another quick break. But don't go anywhere. When we come back, we'll be talking about Election Day 2017. Earlier, we talked about 2016. Now, we'll talk about what happened this November. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard
2: we are back on let your voice be heard on 90.3 fm whcr the voice of harlem if you're just tuning in this is stanley fritz i'm here with selena hill Alyssa fuchs jackie cohen and we have someone else in here i'm not going to tell you who it is but instead i will spit (laughs) a selena hill rhyme right so when I i go to the store and i hit you with the store bars
1: Yeah, so our dreamer is here, Lisa King, and we'll be speaking to her uh, right after this conversation that we're going to have now about uh, Election Day 2017. So it's been a year since Donald Trump blindsided the nation with one of the biggest upset victories in political history and then proceeded to usher in divisive policies and rhetoric that emboldened white supremacists, pitted Americans against each other, and rolled back legislation that protected our environment, women, and democracy. But on this past Tuesday, a blue wave of hope and optimism swept into the hearts and minds of American people. I'm talking about myself included as well. There were two big winners that emerged on election day. The Democratic Party and diversity. In both red and blue states, Americans cast their b- ballots in droves. They denounced Trumpism and all the hate and division that comes with it. As a result, progressives celebrated several important state and local wins. In Virginia, Democratic. The Democratic candidate for governor, Ralph Northam, beat Ed Gillespie, who embraced Trump-style tactics. In fact, exit polls show that 34% of Virginia voters said that they actually voted in opposition to Trump because Trump is president that motivated them to go to the polls and vote Democrat. Virginians also rebuked Trump and Gillespie's anti-immigrant rhetoric by electing the first-ever Latinas to the House of Delegates. Yay, Virginia. Meanwhile, in New Jersey, Democrat Bill Murphy trounced the Republican candidate by a 13-point margarine. Yes. Now, there were also a number of local victories as well. For example, in Massachusetts, Danica Rome beat an openly homophobic Republican incumbent to become the first trans person elected as a state legislator. Andrea Jenkins was elected to sit on the Minneapolis City Council, making her the first openly transgender black woman to ever hold public office.
2: Damn.
1: Larry Kasner... He is a civil rights attorney like Alyssa. As soon as I read his little bio, I was like, oh, my God, this is Alyssa in 10 years or maybe 20. He uh, he defended <laughs> Black Lives Except Matter. For,
3: I don't know if I'm ever going to turn into a white man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the credentials, the portfolio. I know, I know, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he defended Black Lives Matter. He also sued for the, the Philadelphia Police Department over 75 times. He is going to be the next district attorney in Philly. And he has already said that he's going to be fighting for Meek mills to free meek mills so that's a very good thing now voters in hoboken elected their first Sikh mayor in the history of the state of new jersey and the first openly lesbian woman won a mayoral seat in seattle now on top of that a number of black people and women were also voted in and elected in mayoral races across the country these victories they just further affirm two things Number one, Americans are fed up with Trump and his hate-driven policies, and on top of that, we are taking our grievances from the streets and into the ballot. I wanted to open up this conversation to the panel, asking you guys, what was your reaction to 2017 election day results? Were you surprised, Stanley? Were you surprised?
2: Um, no. I was. Well, yes and no. So. Y-
1: you're never surprised. You always just
4: know, huh? No, no, I
2: didn't know. I was really nervous. I knew that we had an opportunity to get a lot of wins, so I wasn't surprised in that sense. I was surprised with how big the wins were, because remember, we've been on this road three or four times already this year alone. Remember Georgia? Right. Remember Montana? That's all the
3: special elections.
2: Yeah, all those special elections that we, we saw this energy, but then on election day, the Republicans still held. In Montana, for instance, the Republican candidate assaulted a reporter the day before the election, and it didn't even hurt his chances to win.
3: Well, I mean, to be fair, his name was—most oh, of the voting was already done. There was yeah. early voting, and 70% of people had voted before the assault happened. But. Yeah,
2: but, like, you know, like that, that's, that's just how bad it's been. But um, I was really happy. I was really nervous about Virginia. Virginia was a really big race that we needed to win. Um, And I think, like, and we have the majority, slight majority right now in Virginia um, with the governor and the delegates. It's 51 to 47 right now. So maybe we can get some, like, good policies passed in Virginia. Jackie?
4: Yeah, I was so excited to see the results of Tuesday's election. And I think what was so notable to me was how many young people ran for office and won and how many first time, um, you know, how many new people entered yeah. into the political system. And I think that's really inspiring and hopeful because I, I know a lot of people who have felt inspired to get involved with politics since last year's election. Mm-hmm. And um, it, this was clear proof that getting involved and organizing and, you know, running a really successful grassroots campaign will pay off. Um, and, you know, it was, it was the moment of hope that a lot of us needed, I think.
3: I mean, I think this is beyond just a repudiation of Trump. Um, this is like a combination of people being fed up um, and a little bit of the pendulum swinging back But also in terms of the people who were elected it It, it is like a direct throw in the face of Trump which Who, who ran on a very white nationalist type platform uh, To see so many diverse people elected Like if you look for example at the legislature Or the legislat- uh, legislative shift in the Virginia State House Literally all the people that were replaced were white men and who were they replaced by? A diverse group of people. There was two white men. Uh, there was a whole bunch of women. And out of those women, some of them were Asian, some of them were black, some of them were white. You, Latina. Had, one, you had Latina, you had a transgender woman. So this isn't just like a bunch of white men being replaced by a bunch of white women um, or by another bunch of white men. This is literally going against everything that Trump ran on. This is saying, you know, we the people who are the government um, are, div- are a diverse group of people and a diverse group of people is going to be the people that represents our country which is also a diverse group of people
1: no Alyssa, you're absolutely right guys and if you want to tune in and i'll chime into the conversation you can call us up at 212-650-6903 and I i think that the message that was really being sent by americans on election day was that we need more diverse voices representing us why because representation matters like the conversation completely switches when you have a transgender black woman walk into that room it switches when you have a latino who says some of you know some of the people in my family are undocumented and this is why we need to protect them so i think that that was one of the biggest messages on that note we do have to take another quick break but don't go anywhere when we come back we'll continue to talk about what has changed after Election Day 2017. And we are. Pipe it up! Pipe it, <laughs> it up!
2: Damn! Oh, oh, you? Go ahead. And I woke up in the club and not pipe it up. Alright, go ahead.
1: Sexist, you done? Maybe. What does that even mean? We are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM.
2: WHCR, the voice of
4: Harlem.
1: Thank you, Stanley. That's Stanley Fritz. I am Selena Hill. I'm here with my other two co-hosts, Alyssa Fuchs and Jackie Cohen. And we're talking about the blue wave that swept through the country on Election Day 2017 just last week. And I know Jackie wanted to bring up a good point and a question. Yeah, so there was an interview done this week um, by The New York
4: Times. With Steve Bannon, who insisted that the reason that Gillespie Gillespie I cannot pronounce
3: Gillespie
4: Gillespie uh loss was because he didn't embrace Donald Trump's rhetoric enough. He didn't fully he didn't go full Trump. Um, he only went part way. And Steve Bannon insisted that that was the reason why he lost, not because there's this huge shift happening. Um, so I wanted to ask the panel: Do we think that there's any merit to that? I mean, I personally don't see that being true when you look at every other election and major win for the Democratic Party across the country and including in the Virginia House of Delegates. I mean, I think that that's sort of short-sighted, but of course they're going to make that argument. But is there any truth to that?
2: Well, according to um the political website, we eat blue cheese like it's regular food. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's some people who feel like nothing didn't go all the way. So, I mean, yeah.
3: listen, I, I, I don't know, because I think it really depends on where you are. And, and each race is very, very different. Um, but if you look at the candidates that ran in this past election and those that embraced Donald Trump, you will find that the people who embraced Donald Trump did not win. For example... Ed Gillespie did embrace Donald Trump. He was running a whole campaign about, um, you know, basically the fact that Ed, uh, sorry, Ralph Northam was going to let in all these immigrants and, you know, was going to do X, Y and Z and that, you know, he protected sanctuary cities and everything else. And what it turned out to be was that was not a winning strategy. Um, at the same time, you also had a situation where um, Chris Christie's lieutenant governor um, in uh New Jersey, Guadino—I think her name is. She also ran on a very Trump platform um, and embraced Trumpism, and she too lost. Uh, So you know, you basically are seeing a situation where people who ran on this Trump platform didn't win.
2: Thank you, Lisa. I want to jump in for a second. Long Island—it was super Trumpy as well. They literally had mailers going out saying that um, if you vote for these Democrats, you're going to have Ms. 13 living with you.
3: Right. So to me, you know, like it's not a situation where they didn't embrace Trump enough. It's a situation where they, you know... I don't know. They, I'm getting sorry. (laughs) I'm getting tongue-tied. It's a situation where they embraced Trump, and it didn't work. Like Trumpism didn't work without Trump. Um, And so that I think should be a major concern for Republicans going forward into the 2018 election, uh, because that kind of thing is not necessarily going to work. um, You know, going forward, and people want a real leader. They don't necessarily want somebody who's just going to embrace Trumpism. Real quick, I just want to make a quick
4: comment about our phone lines. If you're trying to call in, our phone lines. um, seem to be down at the moment so hold off on calling in but you should definitely tweet at us your questions at be heard underscore radio or if you're watching the live stream on facebook you can uh, write a question or a comment there
1: and we'll be sure to answer it that's a yep. good
2: way to describe the phones jackie yeah.
1: <laughs> thank you yeah no so uh, you know what and I think that we'll continue to see how Trumpism plays out into the 2018 midterm elections, if it's something that's actually going to help Republicans or not. And before we talk about that and what Democrats should be doing uh, in order to maintain this momentum, I actually want to talk more about what Election Day actually meant for Obamacare. So after a year of Republicans' non stop effort to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act uh. and <laughs> decimate Medicaid, mm-hmm. uh, voters actually said, you're not going to take away my health care. In Maine, 59% voted for a ballot initiative to expand Medicaid access to 70,000 low-income people across the state, whereas in a red state like Georgia, uh, Democrats actually backed- I mean, Democrats actually won who were backing Medicaid expansion. They picked up three seats. And even in Florida, the mayor of Pittsburgh, who is an outspoken
3: supporter of the ACA, won his re-election. So it looks like the country is really speaking back. Right. No, I, I agree with that. I think the Medicare expansion coming out of Maine is, is big news. But here's another thing. They did polls on people who are going to vote in Virginia about what the most important issue they were voting on was. And the two most important pe- issues that people said they were going to vote on were uh, health care was number one and number two is guns. And not necessarily in favor of guns. Some of the people who said that guns being their most important issue was because they want better gun control. Um, and so when you look at Virginia and you see that Democrats won um, and the two most important issues were health care and guns, that speaks to the fact that the majority of people do not want to see the Affordable Care Act. That the mm-hmm. majority of people who went out and voted in Virginia uh, do want to see better gun laws. The other thing that should be said about Virginia is some people are saying like on the right like oh well you won two easy states to win Virginia and New Jersey okay maybe I'll give them New Jersey because it was a rarity that Chris Christie won New Jersey um and you know whatever that it is traditionally a blue state but Virginia is not traditionally a blue state Virginia's traditionally a very purple state. So the fact that they won Virginia, that Hillary Clinton actually came very close to losing last year, um, is another way of saying that the Democrats are on track to do very well um, in the next election.
2: Just one quick point before I throw it to Jackie. One of the things you didn't mention, Alyssa, that I want to pick up right now is, for the people who said that not only was the election about guns, but they wanted wanted no gun laws or they wanted weaker gun laws, northam and lepsi split that vote so even the nra gun fanatics like there was no difference like as far as like support so what that tells us though is that we might have a situation where like people being afraid of losing their guns that might not be as big of a of an electoral issue as we thought which means you can have more aggressive conversation about gun policy because northam was saying that we need common sense gun legislation during the election
4: Jeffy? Right. I mean, I, you know, I again, I was really feeling hopeful after Tuesday night, um, but I remain cautious. Um, you know, we talked about Roy Moore. Um, who's running in Alabama and his approval ratings are up. I think they're at seventy-two percent, despite the fact that he is a known child molester. Yes. Um, so you know, while it's it's especially what happened in Virginia is is very positive and keeps me optimistic to a point. Um, you know, I think that we have a long way to go, and I don't think that um, progressives should rest on their mo- on their laurels Agreed. at all After, or
1: on their morals. <laughs> no, I mean this is not a time to rest. Celebrate, yes, but. What could this signal for the 2018 midterm elections? I'll throw that first at Alyssa. Do you think Republicans should be a little scared right now? I
3: do think Republicans should be scared um, because this does signal the rising of the resistance. And as long as those people go out and they go to the polls and they vote, um, I do end up. I do think that this election uh, in 2018 is going to end up being a blue wave, much like what we saw in 2006. Uh, But the other thing that I want to. Hold on.
1: Let me just question you on that is that because because like traditionally politics show that like whoever wins the white house the, the opposite party usually wins in that midterm election. Is that the reason
3: or is it because of Trump? No, I think it's both. I think it's both. I do mm-hmm. think that there is a pendulum shift that is very normal, um, but I also think when you add that pendulum shift to the strong amount of resistance that has come out against Donald Trump and against the Republican Party, people who um, stayed home, who regret staying home, who felt like they should have gone out and voted for Clinton, people who did not vote for Clinton, who look back on it saying, you know what, I should have actually voted for her um so i think all those people combining it's going to lead to a situation where you're really going to have a lot of people coming out but i also think that depends a lot on who runs and who runs and who wins depends on the jurisdiction uh because people were saying like oh ralph northam's going to lose in virginia because he's not a Bernie Sanders type progressive, he's a very moderate Democrat, which he was, and yet he still won. So I think there's a lot of factors that are going to come into 2018. Um, but ultimately, you're going to see a blue wave.
4: Yeah, I certainly agree with Alyssa. I think that the types of Democratic candidates that will win in 2018 need to be as diverse as the people that they'll be elected to represent. Um, and again, I stay very cautious. But I think, you know, this past year has been a transformative one for the way that people get involved in politics. And I think more that this year than ever before given the results of 2016 election and the access to resources that some people have, especially with the internet and organizing, great organizing that's been happening I think that people that have never felt empowered to get involved in a grassroots campaign before did and they recognize that all politics are local and that they can get involved in a local election and make a big change. So I my worst fear is that Democrats are going to become too comfortable after this win and just assume that they can ride this like anti Trump wave into 2018. But my greatest my, you know, my aspiration and my hope is that people recognize that, OK, we can elect people into office with the with by organizing, by hitting the streets at the local level so we can keep pushing that and building this momentum um, and, you know, get even win even bigger in the in
3: the next election. So
1: we do have a comment that came in on Facebook live
3: yeah, so um, Catherine uh, Morrow, uh, she said she tried to call us, um, but she wasn't able to get through. As Jackie said, we apologize the phone lines aren't working. Instead, she did leave her comment here on Facebook, and she says, I'm glad there's diversity in the states to show Trump we are a united front. We rebuke ignorance. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, what? I have a question, and it's the question I threw at Stanley earlier uh, in the show. And I said that, you know, the strategies that Republicans have been employing, have been, you know, racist. Uh, they definitely use white identity politics, Stanley, to have to win. And that's where they, how they have been winning. Now, the, and I'm just going to go back to that same question. What strategy should Democrats, liberals, and progressives actually use to carry this momentum of the blue wave from 2017 into 2018?
2: Well, it has to stop being so anti-Trump, but it has to be pro-something.
4: That's
1: true. I, I I think- totally.
2: Democrats still don't have a solid policy that things that they stand on, and I think that we've been lucky enough to not have to do that, but that's, what, that's what's hurting the Republicans now. They were anti-Obama, but didn't have any actually good plans, and now they're forced to govern they don't have anything. I think that if we want to, like, take over back the House and the Senate, which are uphill battles, there's no guarantee it's going to happen at all, even if we do have a wave. Um, I think it's important for us to, like, really be standing on some solid issues and be ready to, like, talk about those because... A big reason why people didn't come out, besides like you know voter voter laws and Republicans blocking them, was because people were not motivated about the issues that we were talking about. So that's what we're gonna have to do.
1: And they also weren't motivated by the candidates. So what candidate, Stanley, do you think? I mean, I mean, okay, I get what you're saying. We yeah. need to focus on issues. But what candidate has the momentum like Barack Obama did, and like Bernie Sanders well, did, that can carry the message? I don't no.
2: want us. I don't want us to like. People have to understand, like, Barack Obama is a once-in-a-generation kind of, like, Well, I mean, we person. had Bernie. N- Bernie is not as good as Obama, not by a long shot. He's also not as smart as Obama. No disrespect to Bernie. He's great, but he's a wiry old man that fired up yeah, a lot Bernie's of people. Bernie's no Obama. Obama is transformational. Like, what you're looking at is, like, someone who goes on Mount Rushmore. Um, you're not going to get that. That doesn't happen all the time. What, we need to stop, like, having this cult of, like this hero person because when that hero person leaves everything falls apart and we need to start building up a movement that is powered by multiple people
4: i totally agree with you but i think ultimately does that does that work right like i i totally agree with you that it needs to be about the issues and not about the individual but then do you place the correct individual to relate absolutely because i think that's in part what happened with trump right where he was the face and the big big mouth of this huge populist movement um and and true with bernie to an extent and so you know, while I totally agree with you and I think that it needs to be about the issues and it needs to be about the policy and we need to do a better job of educating people, and mobilizing around the issues. Yeah. At the end of the day, there needs to be the person who's carrying that message, who we trust with the country. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, I have no idea who that is for. 2020. Yeah. I mean, I really listen, don't. I
3: think that's really a strategy for 2020. But just in terms of the midterms, what I will say is we have to realize that a one size fits all strategy does not work. Uh, what's going to work in Virginia? is not necessarily what's going to work in New York is not necessarily what's going to work in Ohio and so that each Democratic candidate really needs to get on the ground hear from the grassroots in their jurisdiction, figure out what is going to work there and put it to the test. Uh, The last thing I want to end um, is that you know there's a lot of Democrats that feel left out of the Democratic Party. You can join the party and you can make it more progressive and you can change it. I've always said we are of a government of the people, by the people and for the people and if you do not like the direction the democratic party is heading in run for office run as a democrat be the change you wish to be in the party but don't become complacent because we have to keep at it every day from now through election day 2018 if we want to take back what we lost and the ground we lost with the election of donald trump
1: absolutely and even though i agree with that Alyssa and I'm 100% behind changing the things that we don't like I also understand the sentiment of people who have completely opt out of our democratic process or system because there is no democracy and they don't feel like they have a voice, they don't feel like even if they vote and canvass and do everything they can to get somebody elected, that can be upturned by the electoral vote like the electoral college, which is what happened in 2016 so I get it, look, I'm going to be positive too and tell them to, you know, try to stay optimistic and that there will be another wave of hope and change but that's only going to happen if people like us who are smart enough who are educated and are empowered enough to run for office to help other people and I understand people don't trust the Democrats because you know it's a dirty game you see what happened we, you know Donna Brazil came out with that whole expose, and people are like I don't trust either party
2: well she was wrong and lying she,
1: she shouldn't <laughs> have did that but basically what I'm just saying in my clothes is that um, we, we have to... We have to do something. And if you do adopt that type of sentiment or that type of attitude, then get involved in your local grassroots organization. Get involved in something that will stop climate change or protect women's laws or or just women workers. Do something. I get it. Not everyone believes in politics, and I understand why, but we still can be the change we want to see, even if it doesn't involve politics, which is a very dirty game. On that note, I am going to end this segment right here but the show will go on we're going to take another quick break but when we come back we'll be speaking to our very special in studio guest, lisa king during the dreamer and doer segment eat
2: the dream you have to sleep the dream you have to dream the dream you gotta touch you have to...
1: And we are back. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Again, my name is Selena Hill. I have my co hosts here, Stanley Fritz, Alyssa Fuchs, and Jackie Cohen. And if you've been listening to us from the beginning of the show, you know that this is the time of the month where we spotlight an inspirational millennial who is doing not only phenomenal things in their own life, but they're inspiring others. And today, we we welcome back Lisa King. King. She now she <laughs> was here a few years ago when she mm-hmm. dropped this book. It was called By Design: A Woman's Guide to Getting It Right, Keeping It Tight, and Claiming Your Queen Queendom. Mm-hmm. I actually read the book and I loved Yay. it. Me it too. Was, Thank you.
3: It,
1: yes, you're welcome. Um, Lisa is also the founder and editor-in-chief of a little audacity.com. Mm-hmm. She's the creator of the Let's Chop It Up discussion series in New York City. And she also recently quit her nine to five to work full time for herself as an (laughs) entrepreneur and as an educated educator she has a program that empowers youth it's called audacious leaders right. and she's working with children across new york city so lisa welcome back to the show oh thank you so much absolutely thank you. and before we go any further she came back with another special oh. thing she is engaged <laughs> lisa also yes. recently yes, got yes. engaged guys i got so. the ring, ladies <laughs> so you're winning at life My- your
0: son. Oh, yes. Son. And my son, he just recently turned seven years old. Oh, my God. He's like a Going man on now. 20. But um, shout out to Isaiah. He's absolutely amazing. My I pride mean, and joy.
1: Yeah. Aww. So you're winning at life, Lisa. Oh, my gosh. I mean.
0: You know, to hear you go down the list, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I was here when I dropped the book. It seemed like that was ages ago. But it was just, what, like two years ago? Three years now, Three I years think. ago. That's crazy. And the amount of things that kicked off, um, within this last couple of three years it's just mind-blowing to hear it you know listed out like that but yeah um i'm winning at life (laughs) even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it because it's so much transition um yeah absolutely and let's
1: talk about that transition now you have this program audacious Leaders. yes tell us what are some of the programs and things you're doing to empower youth through audacious leaders. Okay,
0: so we have a couple different things going on with um with the youth, and it all depends on what is needed at the time. So we have, like, one-day workshops where we'll do um, a program called Visions and Intentions where we bring in the parents. It's like a student-slash-parent workshop. We bring them in. We go through, you know, like empowerment, um, interactive uh
1: like seminars, Seminars, workshops. and
0: then towards the end, we'll sit down and we'll actually do vision boards. We have that coming up December 2nd at IS-292. Let me plug that in. It's oh, it's Yeah, in um, East New York. Yeah, that's my hood. Okay. Uh, do you live there? No, not anymore. That's where I grew up. Oh, a, okay. Yeah, that yeah, That was yeah. my zone school for junior high school. Yes, and so I'm sure you know what's going on over there, yeah. but um, these kids need it, and it's so important that I bring in the parents because it, it really makes a difference with um, how the kids show up. And the extent of the, the, the effect, the positive effect and change.
1: Absolutely. Um, now, did you, uh, to go about this, are mm-hmm. you partnering with uh, the Department of Education?
0: Well, my first major contract has come from the Department of Education. So when I first started, I was doing it for, I don't even want to say for fun, from my heart. Let me say that. Um, I. So many of my um, my closest friends are teachers and um, assistant principals. They're just in within the New York City public school system. And they saw the work that I was doing with A Little Audacity, my women's um, empowerment brand. And they said, you know what, you should come in on a Saturday and just do this. And I jumped at the chance because these are kids, you know, and who wouldn't want to lift up the kids. But um, it, it really took off when the kids started requesting okay well when is miss lisa and the crew coming back you know we want to do this and the the higher ups (laughs) in the school system um took notice and they offered me a contract to come in for the entire school year so yeah it's it kind of just happened but divinely happened if that makes sense
1: yeah absolutely so like and I know that's a huge transition because you were doing this from your heart, you know, volunteering right. to help these children. And now you're doing that full time. Full time. I mean, was that a scary jump or transition?
0: Absolutely. I think it was one of the most scariest things that I've ever done in my life to leave my 9 to 5 because I didn't have a rinky-dink job now. I was out there in these streets getting it done. Oh, oh. so Lisa was corporate. <laughs> I was corporate. I was the director of human resources for a real estate firm in Midtown Manhattan. Shout out to them. They were um, good to me for the last 10 years of my life so um to make the transition uh, and give up that steady paycheck the one that you always know is coming on friday it was it was petrifying <laughs> to say the least but I, it, it's just it was a calling i felt like everything was just falling into place exactly how it needed to fall into place and really and truly what I needed to work on, what made me scared, not not it wasn't the finance part of the this transition. It was really believing in myself to say, well, you know what, this is the opportunity. It's here. Are you going to jump, or are you just going to you know put it to the side and do it on the weekends and, and be okay with that? And I feel like you know what, it was time for me to jump. Like I have a a a, a mission here to uplift my community. And why not get it done? You stepped into your fear. I did. I did. So what would
3: you tell other people? As, uh, listen, is Mike on? Uh, what would you tell other people about that? I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that mm-hmm. work really hard. They have a side project. Yeah. And they're, they're not <laughs> willing to give up their full-time job because they're scared of not getting that paycheck every two weeks they don't know how they're gonna live what would you tell somebody like that um, you know in terms of taking that leap of faith or taking that jump what to expect and you know how to make it work okay well
0: the first thing that I would tell someone is don't jump blindly Mm -hmm. you know like we're grown we have kids well I do you know and we have rent start preparing it. I think we were talking about this. Was it last
1: year? It felt like last. year. It felt like
0: last year. Where I was like, you know what? I'm quitting. <laughs> <laughs> no plans. <laughs> Just I'm quitting. But I, I slowly started to prepare myself for it. You save a little money. You know, you cut down because a lot of us live well beyond our means. You know, mm-hmm. you make eighty thousand dollars a year, but you tell people no, you I make a hundred. You really make eighty. <laughs> you know, and you live in New York City, and if you're doing it by yourself, eighty grand is not what it was you know, years ago, but you you start cutting down on your expenses. Maybe you learn how to do your own hair, maybe you do your own manicures, those little changes just so that you can get used to the fact that, you know, next week the check isn't coming. And then honestly, you can't do it by yourself. You need the support. Shout out to my friends, my family, my fiance who holds it down. That's a major difference in my life, you know, that, Combined income, <laughs> splitting those bills, it makes a difference. Just set yourself up for that journey because it's going to be hard. It will
1: absolutely. And Lisa, you know, you talk about uh, this being your calling. You know, you left mm-hmm. corporate where you had a steady paycheck and a lot of stability, right. and now you're with this, these youth um, all the time. You yeah. do this full time. Why is it so important? Do you think for you to dedicate so much of so much energy and resources? into empowering today's youth oh my gosh like
0: that question we can go on and on the youth are exactly who we're becoming period and the conversations that i have with them selena stanley the team it's 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 almost heartbreaking to to know that social media has taken over the planet and these kids, they really feel like this is real life. I had a young lady. If I could tell a quick story, I don't know how much time you have. Um, I have. A, I had a young lady in the in the class, and we were talking about what do you want to be. You know, doctors, lawyers in the class, and she was like, "Well, you know what? I want to be a superstar, and all I have to do is become a stripper like Cardi B, and um, make sure my videos go viral. Like, dead serious." Dead serious. Now, I love Cardi B. You know, I'm a Cardi B fan, but it, it's just mind-blowing to me to think that that's the aspiration because of social media, social media fame. They think that they can just post a few videos, get um lipo and, you know, the butt injections and really make a life out of that and I had to ask her I was like you know when Cardi B has her kids do you think that she's gonna want them to go on a poll like or is she doing this you know for a better life so it's just I have to change a conversation and I have to do my part to change that conversation especially for black and Latino children in the hood let's call it what it is because there are so many of those kids who are falling through the cracks you know they're getting left behind two three Four times. I think I know a couple 16-year-olds right now that are in the seventh grade. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous.
2: And you're a- in my hood. And,
0: exactly.
2: And it was like, I, I grew up over there, and, like, the first chance I got to get out, I ran the hell out. And yeah. I almost in didn't East look New York. back. Yeah. East New, East New York. York. She's, 292 was my zone junior high school. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you go to PS213 or PS13 to so 292 for junior high school with then Thomas Jefferson for high school. And, like, I was just, like, not trying to do any of that because you knew that if you was doing that, you had to, you had to be about a certain life. Exactly. And a lot of those people get left behind. Like, no one's paying attention to what's out there. Right. So it's really good that you But there
0: are good people out there that want to make the change. And yep. one of these decisions, okay, so I quit my job, right? And um, I told them, you know, I'm going, I'm going to do this. I'm going to inspire the youth and so on and so forth. And I was telling them, like, you know, there are so many kids that are getting left behind. And um, this is very privileged um, can I say Jewish people that own the city? No,
3: I mean, it, <laughs> right. Is my mic on. I, like as a Jewish person, there's generational wealth, is what you're describing. Exactly.
0: Right. So I always say the families own New York City. Um, uh, and there was a comment that was made to me, and I, I, I love who I used to work with. I really do. But there was a comment that was made to me, and I was like, you know what? I have to get out of here, and I really have to inspire my youth because I was telling about, you know. Mm-hmm the kids that are getting left behind and they were like, well, you know, you got to be very careful because you're going to be dealing with retards that are, um, that are probably sexually frustrated. What? I'm, I'm dead serious. That was like a lot of problematic in one sentence. And the person that told me it, like he didn't even, it didn't even click to him that that was so racist. And it showed me how you view young black children especially our male children and i again that was one person that was one person but it spoke to me because we we not only have to, to 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 change the images that are portrayed to our our youth but it's also portrayed to america you know and it's we can go into the history of the sexualization of the black woman and the 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 the, ba- the black man being seen as very aggressive mm-hmm. and just wanting to come after and, and kill and destroy and rape. Yep. But in that moment, I just knew that it was it was my calling to just, you know what, I have to leave here. Mm-hmm. And while I have this app- opportunity, like directly in my face, I'm going to jump on and I'm going to go and inspire my people because we're kings, we're queens. And they need to know that, like starting now. These are children. They're 11, 12 years old. They're children. Right.
1: Children. Right. They're still just children, and this is the time to reach them. Exactly. Um, and, you know, you spoke a lot about the children, but you also said that through the, your mentorship and um, youth empowerment program, you're also working with parents. Yes. Talk about that. What are you doing with parents? First of all,
0: it's so important. We need to just get the parents involved in the conversation. You know, so many of these parents are um, have been forgotten themselves years ago that's one and then two we have you know a situation where parents are working double time just to make ends meet i need to bring them in and we need to have a conversation that you just have to be present somehow, some way, even if you're working. And I call people, like they they get tired of me. I'm like, hey, Ms. Johnson, it's Lisa again. Such and such happened in school. This is where he he did well. This is where he struggled. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. And hang up. But some of them are really um, honored that someone takes the time to tell them specifically about their child. So where I do get a lot of kickback, from, um, from from parents who are just busy and um, frustrated and, and don't want to hear from a teacher because sometimes it's always something negative, you know? Um, I do get also the flip side of that where someone is like, oh my God, it's, it's really nice to hear something nice about my child and maybe we can work on this or maybe I'll take off a Saturday and come in and, and, and do this workshop with them, so... Every little bit counts. And it does. Yeah, that I'm is, excited.
1: That's so right. And you should be excited. I mean, you're doing a lot now. What is it that you dream to do, let's say, five to ten years from now? Oh,
0: my gosh. Selena. Okay, let me see. Um, well, definitely I want to bring on more schools. You know, short-term goals. By this time next year, I want to have at least two or three schools full-time. Um, I want to have a staff. I definitely would love to expand this into summer camps. For the full summer. Um, oh, my gosh. Let me see. I'm going to write the second book. There's so many different things. Third. Like, I'm just here for the world. I just want to pour into the world. And I'm excited to do so. So
1: Yes. Well, Lisa. It takes so- a team. Absolutely. And we're so happy that you poured into us this morning. I definitely feel inspired, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just seeing you follow your calling and your passion and making it a full-time business. So you are dedicating and empowering these youth, Um, you know, that's what you're doing full-time now. And it's great. And we know that you'll definitely continue to empower everyone to be audacious, (laughs) right? Tell us how people, tell everyone how they can follow or support audacious leaders and you yourself as a brand.
0: Oh, okay so you can you can find out about audacious leaders on audaciousleaders.org you can follow um, us on social media it's this is all um, comes from my company a-, a little audacity so a little audacity across the board um, to get involved and I want to make a call. For anyone that is young, black, Latino professional that is doing something that you think that the kids would be inspired by, I would love to bring them to your um, place of employment so they can see they can see that people do have these great phenomenal jobs and they look just like you, you know. So uh, if you want to come in and speak to the kids, we have uh, a basketball player coming soon. Um, we have a fashion designer. so anything. Anything. Just reach out and you can send us a line at Lisa at a little audacity dot com.
1: Thank you again, Lisa. And I think that we can all take a page out of that, uh, out of your book right now and just have the audacity to. Help others to fulfill your passion, mm-hmm. to follow your calling, mm-hmm. and especially if it's doing something as wonderful as empowering today's youth, because yeah. these are our future leaders. Absolutely. And we sure know we don't want any more Donald Trump's running the country. Oh. So why don't we empower you know the next generation to be to be the next Barack Obama, the next Bernie Sanders? Absolutely. And you know, that's exactly what Lisa is doing. You're yeah. helping that person. So we thank you for joining the show. I want to thank everyone who Uh, chimed into the show who listened via facebook live we appreciated all of your questions and comments and guys don't worry we'll be back next sunday i actually won't I'll be celebrating my birthday (laughs) next Sunday, guys. (laughs) But the rest of the team will be here. And, again, if you want to listen to this show or support Let Your Voice Be Heard, you can check out our website at lyvbh.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And you can also give us a small little donation at patreon.com. That keeps us alive and going. Till next week, guys, enjoy the rest of of your Sunday.